A couple of days ago, you mentioned to me that uh, the high, that your morning started off really well for uh, one specific reason, that on your commute to work, you saw both a corgi and a golden retriever. And I, and I replied that you said like you knew it was going to be a good day because of that. And I'd replied that was also an option of your day peaking early. Which was it? Huh. I, you know, I, I don't think that day really went strongly one way or the other. So I guess it wasn't a, a good test case for your gla- glass half empty kind of approach. It peaked early. Well, but it wasn't. I don't think it was a bad day. So no, the best thing happened right at the... It was front-loaded. <laughs> okay, that's that's fair. Okay. That was a very negative view on your part, I thought. How so? You... you uh, I, I'm, maybe, I'm... maybe that's why the day didn't get better, was because your, <laughs> your comment sort of... It derailed the momentum that seeing the corgi and the golden retriever had. Were they together? Created. Or they were, were not together. I, I I felt bad because after I sent you that message, I felt like I conveyed that they were together, which which I think really would have made it a great day. But no, they <laughs> they were they were separate, not not far, maybe two or three minutes apart, but minutes. Was, well, I, were, I was I was on the bus. Were you on the bus, <clears throat> or were you on a chariot? I was on the bus. Mm. I don't don't get me started. Don't get me started on that whole thing. Why? No, no. Let let let's get you started because. I, well, let's so, talk about your your, uh, your privatized marina buses. So the issue with my area of the city is that it it's difficult to get downtown because you really do have to go all the way across the city. It's only four point something miles to get from where I am to Bart along Market Street, but it takes forever. And I, I keep kind of going back and forth between Chariot and Muni because it sometimes feels like one is quicker than the other, and I've 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 literally timed both. <laughs> um, but it it's it's inconsistent. Sometimes one is faster than the like. There, there's no clear winner between the two. So I've kind of fallen into this pattern where I'll ride Muni for a few weeks, and then I'll flip over Chariot and back and forth. When you'd mentioned the only problem with where you live, I was hoping you would talk about the dog bakery. But you know that that's just too much continuity to expect, and and that's that's okay. The lady friend and I were were talking about that the dog bakery some more the other night. We we were well, and no, this is very thoughtful because we were thinking about you in, in the context of this. We we were thinking about going there. That we're going to be visiting some family here soon. And there's there's a new a new puppy that one of my cousins has, and we were think we were thinking it'd be funny if we brought the dog something from this bakery. But when we did so, we would take a picture out in front of it and you know send that to you. Well, it's ruined now. Well, we did we didn't do it, so I I can tell you about it now. Well, but... did you see the dog? Well, we're we're going to this weekend, so time time. Well, no, there's still there's still time. There well there there's not because of the the I won't get into the schedule the rest of the week, but there there's not time. <laughs> Very, very busy, Carlos. You got you to know this about me. Very, very, very busy. Too busy to Uber over to a dog bakery. Okay. That's, that's, well, no, I, I, would, I think I would walk. If it's... Hmm. I, don't, I don't want to triangulate too closely here, but I, I, I think I'd be able to walk there. I could Uber, I suppose. I, I, have, I have Ubered... I will say this. I have Ubered shorter distances than it is from my apartment to the dog bakery. 
You really want to have said that on the record. I, I, I yes, I do. Okay. I'm not proud of it, but you know, I feel like this is a forum where I can be comfortable talking about things that I'm both proud of and not proud of. That's that's commendable. It's 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 a it's another compliment towards you, I think. Absolutely, and and I appreciate and I appreciate that you were almost willing to spend ten dollars on a gag, uh, dog treat, hypoallergenic nonsense thing, for, just for my benefit. Yeah. Well, that's I think you know for as many years as we've been doing this program and have known one another, I, I think I think you're worth it. Is that Oprah's slogan? I think her slogan was just her infectious laugh. Her slogan was just pile like it's rooms full of money or uh, giveaways, like gift gift baskets. Oh yeah, or you know giveaways that would be you know the size that would fit underneath the seats of the studio that she recorded her show in. I assume, like I don't know who the the low rent Oprah or whoever the like the knockoff Oprah is. But I assume if they wanted, they were running a show on the she, uh, on the cheap. They would uh, do a giveaway where under everybody's chair there would be a bunch of uh, discontinued Keurig colds. Ooh, the very nice segue. No, no, it's not a transition. It's just it's oh. it's a fact. I well, I was I was going to give you another compliment that that would have been a nice segue. You, you don't want to talk about the Keurig cold? No, I do. But I'm I'm genuinely unsure what that was. Okay, like three things. <laughs> it it might because I'm in a, I'm in a haze today. It, it was also a busy day. Was the Keurig cold like three hundred fifty dollars when it came out, or am I misremembering that? Yeah, it was when when we talked about it on the program. I, I think we might have opened a program by talking about the Keurig cold. We one of the first things we said about it was just how, how like how many sodas you you would have to make to to recoup three hundred and fifty dollars. Was it just a knockoff soda stream, basically, or was there something that made it interesting? Was it just not a hot Keurig, or did it somehow refrigerate stuff? So I, I think one of the, one of the things that they tried to get out there with was they had signed a bunch of the the major soda brands. So they had signed Coca Cola, um, and then there were a couple of others in that article that you had sent me earlier this week, kind of the, the post mortem. And that was their their big push was that, you know, just like Soda Streams always had sort of their not really knockoff, but sort of just like house branded cola. But, you know, these guys actually had the the name brands. But by all accounts, the soda that this thing created was was gross and it didn't really taste like the real thing. Hmm. And it took forever too, apparently. Like that was that was people's number one complaint was that it just it took a really long time to make a single, you know, cup of soda. Interesting. Well, give them credit for trying, except not really. And I'll say, well, I'll say my, so I didn't own a curry cold and I'm, I'm someone who really doesn't drink soda anymore. But, you know, when I, on, on the occasion when I do, I want soda in a can or, or a bottle. But I mean, usually can is kind of the way, the way that you get it here. But, like you know, I I'm I'm not a, I'm not the type of person that pours my can of soda into a cup. Like I want it I want it to straight out of the can. Don't get me started on that. Who does that? Well, I mean, some people do, but I I would I would like to think that. But that that's madness. Because yeah, you either get it in a resealable uh, resealable bottle, like for 
$5 when you're at some event where that's the only option, because otherwise, why would you buy something with 50 grams of sugar in it? Or or you drink it straight out of a can. But who who's transferring it into glasses? I think so, some people like to do the glass thing because they they like ice or they they like a straw, perhaps. But ideally, you'd have a, a perfectly chilled can. True. Yes, that yeah. that's true. Well, we'll use this as a way to pivot to uh, to like a more general soda stream discussion. Are you you're still very much into the carbonated water or sparkling water for fancy people? I I am yes. So, do you always do soda stream, or do you have preferred brands of sparkling water? Well, so we you know we're fortunate where at my my place of employment we we are provided carbonated water at no charge we have a, a refrigerator with with carbonated water we've got that there's this i guess it's not new but it's it's become very popular recently Lacroix. yes see you even you even knew what i was talking about of course like no th- that's that's where i was going so there, there's many competing brands but apparently like there's this like and i don't like using the word but like this like techie like hipster revolution of discovering like this like cult following of Lacroix sparkling water and it comes in all these funky flavors, most of which are gross, but there's three good ones. What What are the three good ones? I'm curious. Uh, lemon. Ooh, I haven't had that. That's the standard one. Well, but they ha- they haven't had that at, at my office. Oh, just go to uh, Safeway or Target. Well, but it's it's at oh, it's at work. I don't but if you're gonna get the best flavor, so it's, it it goes uh, lemon, uh, orange, passion fruit, or plain. There's like the super super we, gross. We literally don't have any of those at my at my office. So do you only have the gross ones? Because there's the super like gross, uh, like you might as well just end it all, uh, peach and coconut. Oh yeah. So the the peach one I think is fine. The coconut one I I haven't even tried because I don't particularly care for coconut water. So I, I can't possibly imagine I would like carbonated coconut water. Uh, we have lime, which is pretty good. Yeah, lemon's probably um, a slight uh, improvement on that, but lime's fine. We have berry, which is fine. Mm. And then we have a, uh, I think it's raspberry cranberry, which is fine. I'm not normally a big cranberry <laughs> juice guy, but... So all of these are completely meh, basically. Well, no, actually, no, they're they're good. They're good. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was totally guilty of this when they started bringing them into the office. I said, oh, well, you know, what's what's this new, you know, this uh, carbonated water, but... Another coworker informed me that it's been around forever and it's just going through some type of renaissance. So it's a sparkling damn, that's the word I was going to use. But yeah, <laughs> Spark, sparkling water renaissance. Yes. Yeah, and and if you want to go, um, like if you, so do you ever stock sparkling water at, or carbonated water at home? I don't. No, I'm pretty. Um, I'm I'm pretty good with the Soda Stream. Where so I've got two of the carbonators, and in fact, I actually just replaced one of them today. Um, and I, I always, I always have two on hand, one in the machine and then one, one in reserve. So it's all, it's always ready to go. Yeah. I mean, that just seems le- not less, cause I, I'm not talking about the environmental impact of either of these. Cause I'm not, doesn't terribly, it doesn't matter terribly much, but like I, I prefer, wouldn't you prefer it in a can for the same reasons that you spoke of in terms of the not wanting it in a glass? Yeah, I mean that's that's fair, but the the actual bottles that you carbonate the water in are are fairly comfortable to drink out of. So, hmm. like so how that, many it, how many ounces is what it goes into? I think I think the bottles there's a couple different sizes you can get. I think the ones that I have are one liter. Yikes! Is that thirty three ounces in American? 
<laughs> perhaps yeah uh, so it's a little it's a little larger but um but it, it it's nice because the the lid you know keeps the carbonation in nicely and it, it's it's fairly comfortable to drink out of i i agree that a can would maybe be a little a little nicer but the benefit for me is that i i get that at work so when i'm at home having this the soda stream is fine all right well if you're ever out at target or or safeway and you want to be a little uh what's the word ostentatious oh, um wow <laughs> is that a big word yeah that's, that's a very <laughs> that's a that's a sat word for sure um yeah, uh, grab a grab a case or or like a eight pack of uh, the Lacroix uh, lemon water. It's very good. Or well, alternatively, I, I mean, I noticed this last time I was in Safeway last weekend or the weekend before. Quite literally, the entire front of the store <laughs> was covered in this Lacroix display they had. There must have been a thousand cases of it. <laughs> yeah, it's a renaissance. Mm-hmm. Um, alternatively, uh, there's also Dasani sparkling water, which, uh, I'm, whatever, it's a Coca-Cola company, whatever, but, um, also very good. And it comes in kind of like a, a Red Bull shaped bottle or a can, which I don't know why I, I find slightly nicer than the old, like the, uh, uh, huskier, um, LaCroix can. <laughs> I can't think of more rotund LaCroix can. Okay. I think that's the more politically correct way to say it. Yeah. Is husky an offensive term? I don't think it is. I just think it's an old person term. Well, you're an old person, so that would that would make sense. We're both old people. Too. Oh, I I'm not saying I'm not. I'm just making it clear that you are. Um, Certainly. Well, so to to kind of round out the sparkling water topic, I so normally for me, I I kind of like the either just you know plain sparkling water that that's always what I make here at home, or the thing that I like about Lacroix is that it, it's very lightly flavored. It's not not too heavy on the flavoring. Most definitely. But, you know, occasionally I, I do like a, a stronger flavor in sparkling water. Not not very often, but every once in a while it, it sounds good. And my, my go-to for there is, it's called sparkling ice. Have you had this? Unfortunately, those are super gross. They're, well, they're, they're very, very flavored. I mean, they're, they, <laughs> they almost taste like soda. It's kind, of, it's kind of amazing that they're zero calorie because they really don't taste that way. I I'm, I don't kind of don't want to know how they make it taste the way they do with with zero calorie cough syrup <laughs> probably, but the, I think the the flavors there are pretty good. Again, doesn't doesn't sound good all that often, but every now and then it does. And yeah, I've tried two of them, and they've always been insanely gross. <laughs> Maybe I'm just picking the wrong flavors, but I picked the one that was like or, uh, orange ish colored. Well, the you should try the the lemon lime one's pretty good. It's got kind of like um, a Sprite kind of flavor. The thing that throws me off or, or maybe turns me off is that it, it looks like Gatorade, kind of, like in terms of the colors. Like it's very vibrantly colored. It's kind of in a weird bottle too. It's not, it's not a very comfortable bottle to hold. It's very, very narrow. Yeah. Apparently they have Essence water now, which I, I presume is more lightly flavored sparkling water. And they also have iced teas and lemonades. I don't. I don't think. I don't think I'd. I don't think I'd be very interested in those. <laughs> this conversation went on way longer than I expected. Yeah. Have we? Have we? Have we started recording? Are we? We're live, right? <laughs> uh, okay. That's. This is what people are here for. Uh huh. We should. Maybe you know. We're. We're always kind of thinking about maybe new recurring segments. Maybe we can have a, a recurring sparkling water check-in. Our 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 our, our new favorite sparkling water.
Maybe, but well, actually, I'm just, I'm just an idea guy. Sure, we'll we'll, we'll table that because I think I think that actually has potential. Except <laughs> we're, we're going to pivot it because because it's not going to be that. <laughs> but okay. maybe. All right. Um, and then rounding out uh, the follow up segment, or not not follow up segment, but like kind of before we get into what this show allegedly is about, I have a general question that's tangentially related to the dog bakery Yelp <laughs> discussion. It's mainly more about Yelp. Sure. So I have a question. When you're going to a restaurant or a certain place, are you somebody who will uh, complain about things or do you just not go back? And do you understand the spirit in which I'm asking this? I do, yeah. And you, so you're not really just asking about do I post on Yelp. You're asking what I tell other people about my experience. Or do you tell the people there? Like let's say you go to a restaurant and you, you're like either – it. Like it's just not very good, or something like something like that, or you think the service is just is subpar. I Do no, just, I I don't, and I I don't by, which, which one? I I don't like if if I'm at the restaurant, I'm not going to complain, and I in people will people who know me will will tell you I'm I'm generally not a pushover. I can be kind of a strong personality at times, but in that context, I I don't feel very comfortable voicing displeasure i don't know why it's not just restaurants just in general if i have bad service i'll usually in the moment let it go but then if people ask me about my experience i'll you know i'll tell them and i'll be very blunt about telling them i'm glad we're on the same page about this because like unless i'm at like a in like a very very pricey restaurant and something is basically inedible my fallback or my recourse is just i just won't go there again there are many businesses that will do a certain task or provide or like there's there's so many restaurants i don't understand the people who complain first the people who make a scene or get all fussy or the people that even just complain in person i i it, it makes no sense to me just don't go back yeah, so the lady friend and I were out at dinner, I don't know, a month or so ago now, and I had ordered this seafood paella kind of dish that had a variety of different seafood. And I'm kind of getting more I'm kind of getting more into seafood. We we can come back to that. That sounds like that's tricky or that's that could be dicey, but It was it was it was very good. It was very very good. Um and evidently a table near us, a, a woman had ordered the same item and one of the seafood pieces in in this seafood dish was a scallop and apparently the woman the woman had complained about her scallop because as i'm about halfway through my meal uh, a man one of the the waiters comes over and he he on, on a plate on a single plate he's got this single scallop and he like comes to put it on the table and I, I kind of give him this puzzled look like, you know, what, 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 what the hell is this? Like, why are you giving me this? And he went on to say that, oh, you know, you, you, had, sent, you had sent yours back and wanted a new one. And I said, well, no, 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 that's, that's, that's not me. And then he, he, he eventually figured it out and went over to the other table. But even just like, it made me uncomfortable even having other people think that I had like sent, sent food back or something. That makes total, like, I can totally understand that. That's like such, it's a weird situation. It's like, and it's a weird dynamic to have to be the person like 
that has complained about something being unsatisfactory to the point where somebody has to like go remake something. And no, I, that puts you in an awkward situation that you'd rather not be in. You, you'd much rather have a mediocre to potentially substandard meal and just rectify it later than having to deal with the social awkwardness or just the, yeah, the awkwardness of that situation. That's right. And I mean, I would never, I, I, I've known people who try to get refunds on movie tickets for movies they don't like that, that sort of thing. Like I, I don't, I would, I would never go any, anywhere near that. For that, like what, what is, first of all, like what is your time worth? And I'm not saying like they're doing it in an undignified fashion, but like, what is your, like your sanity and your dignity? I don't know. Just, just let it go. Yeah, I, I, I like, like a very good movie. I would not want my money back for. Yeah, just let it go. Right. Opinions on Frozen? Above average movie. Oh, I, (laughs) I own, I think four iTunes movies, and Frozen is one of them. (laughs) Although, I didn't, I didn't specifically seek out Frozen. The I, I. The lady friend and I had wanted to watch it one evening. We had we had sort of planned the evening around watching it. I, I could have sworn it was available for rent on iTunes. It was not. It was only available for purchase. So you only live once, as you would say. So. Disney plays hardball. So again, we're never going to start. We're never going to start the actual part of the show because we're going to keep going on to other things. Yeah. Are yours kind of the same? Uh, is your situation with your iTunes movie library the same as me, which is that you've only ever purchased it when it was the last resort? Well, no, 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 no. Um, so like here, so if I go, if I can figure out iTunes here, here we go. So my, so there are, f- yeah, four movies in my movie collection, th- three of which were an intentional purchase. So I've, I've got Frozen, which was kind of the, I was forced into, but then Interstellar, Jurassic World, and then the, the new Star Wars movie. And th- those were all intentional pur- purchases. Gotcha. Yeah, for me, it's whenever the backup plan or whatever I thought actually was going to work was fail, uh, failed, and then I got roped into paying full price for a movie I didn't really want to own. So now, now I own Monsters, Inc. for the rest of time and paid like $22 for it. <laughs> well, and I, so I, I'm the type of person, I've, I've never been one to buy a whole lot of movies. So I, don't, I don't usually rewatch movies a ton. I, I kind of see them once, and that, that's about it. There are only a handful of exceptions to that, and, and then I, I, I will buy them. And I think as these, so these four movies I just listed, I, I've bought all four of these in the last 12 months. And that, that's totally representative of, like, I never want to buy a physical disc ever again. Like, I'm, I'm all in on just buying movies on iTunes, N- not because of the initial convenience, but even just when you go to watch a blu-ray anymore it, it's a mess with all the, the previews and the skipping and main menu you got to go through whereas like itunes you're never more than i mean even now with siri integration you're basically a voice command and one click away from getting right into the movie so i'm not super familiar with blu-rays just because i i don't think i've actually i think i've only watched two of them when i originally got my blu-ray player with my plasma tv like ugh, like six years ago do they have the unskippable like FBI warning, uh, uh, like BS that DVDs had? Yeah, well, so it, it's worse with Blu-rays. They they have those, and then a really common thing with Blu-rays now because most of these players are internet connected, and so what they'll do is the previews at the that at the beginning that play, 
they they won't be actually on the disk, but rather what they'll do is they'll make a call to whatever server they call out to, and they'll download two or three new trailers, like trailers that would still be relevant to you. So you're like downloading these trailers as you're trying to watch your movie, and it's just, it, it's a total mess. And they're not skippable? No, they're skippable, but it takes a while for them to load, and you, sometimes you can't skip them until they have loaded to a certain point. Can't you just not connect your... Oh, you're probably using a game console to do it, though. Yeah, so, you know, in in my case, I've... I Actually, well, so <laughs> I ran into this situation um, uh, recently where... So, I, you know, I, I had the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4, but I, I sold my Xbox. And so I went to watch a Blu-ray on my PlayStation 4... But I had forgotten that the reason I always chose the Xbox over the PlayStation 4 is because my PlayStation 4 sounds like a jet engine whenever you try to play a Blu-ray, which is not which is not ideal. Is it like the optical drive? Is it just permanently like that while watching the movie? Yeah, exactly. Oi. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do that with games, I think, because games save most of their data to the hard drive, so it doesn't really have to hit the the disc at all, but... With a movie, it does, and so it's yeah, it's terrible. So I, I have you know a day one PlayStation Four, and I I've done a little bit of research, and it's it's a pervasive problem with early batches of the PlayStation Four because they always do that where they don't release new ones, but they always like tweak the hardware once they've figured out slight like manufacturing efficiencies or like duds in the process. Exactly, and people people because it's because the internet figures out everything. People always they figure out either with the serial numbers yep, or yep. whatever they like you can they just go they go into the retail stores and they look at the boxes and they know which version it is yeah i remember that back when i got my original 17 inch macbook pro uh that was the intel core duo depending on the week of manufacture that you could decipher from the serial number you could tell if you got the dud one <laughs> which did uh it had like this faint uh like electrical whine when you had the magsafe connector plugged in nice and of course because i was an early adopter mine was mine had that and apple wouldn't replace it Hmm. Good times. Yeah. I feel like you just you'd have to figure out the exact frequency that noise was making and then somehow play another frequency that would directly cancel that out. You know it could probably help me with that? What's that? The sharper image. <laughs> that's that's probably true, yeah. Next to the Trump sticks. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Let me see if I have anything else. No, that's I assume we're going to skip over uh, our discussion earlier about uh, why Republicans won't denounce Donald Trump, because I don't think you would ever do an on-the-record political thing. Uh, you know what? I think I, I've I've been thinking about this. We're, we're, we're going to say we're saving it towards the end because that's going to come back up. Yeah, I've, I've been thinking about this some. I, you and I, I think have good political discussions when we have them, you know, off the air, as you say. I th- I think it would be worthwhile us exploring the idea of having a political discussion and then then listening to it offline and seeing if it's if something we both, that we no if we both agree that we don't <laughs> <laughs> that it's not going to hurt future job possibilities yeah, and or right. uh, destroy uh, relationships. Sure, no, I th- I think before the election or actually maybe closer to the conventions, we uh, let's uh, how do I put this? Uh, option command O. I will put it this way. So we, you know, we, we were both political science majors in school a lot, a, a lot. I feel like a lot of what we learned there was, was kind of seeing both sides of issues. I think that that's fair to say, right? 
We, yeah, we know how to think critically about an issue rather than just appealing to emotion. Yeah, right. And I, generally speaking, I feel like that's how I am. Like, I, I think I have pretty strong political views, but I, I'm, I'm not someone that goes out there and preaches them and tries to convince people that I'm right or anything like that. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, outwardly neutral in a lot of ways. But I, I feel like this election is just like it's... Like, I, I'm, you know, like if, if my political opinions are kind of like simmering beneath the surface, like this election is is raising the temperature where that's rapidly reaching a boil. Yep. We'll talk about that. So it's it's in the planning channel. Okay. But yeah, and I, and I think we both, I think it helps that we, I don't know, we, we're both um, reasoned or reasonable people. And, but we also have, uh, I think, different enough political views where it wouldn't just be boring. When I and, and like the my my stance is even before college, like my the view that I've always had is it's really, really boring to talk politics with someone who agrees with you. That's just it's not it's it's really not an interesting conversation at all. Like where the really good conversation happens is when someone kind of two things. They disagree with you, but you can both be respectful about it. And I I I think that's how we are, although maybe, maybe Maybe a t- maybe a test political episode would uh, prove that out. If, I, if I'm being very very uh, uh, what do you call it mm. C- candid, candid. I think you were very full of shit earlier today. But <laughs> we will. We'll, I, I'm, I'm going to save that article, and we'll uh, revisit this in a couple weeks. Okay. Okay. I in in my, so in my defense, I. I that that article is tricky. I, I I agree with you on that. I think it. It it I think it goes like a half step too far, but I get what it's go what's going for, but I think it's conflating two to three very a lot of issues that have a ton of nuance in them. Okay, yeah, I think I think that's fair. All right, technology. What yes. our sponsors pay for us to talk about? Uh huh. Yep the big the big bucks. Oh, and we we, we should talk about. Oh, we should we should say that uh, the people listening to the show have actually been grandfathered into a premium ad free version of the show, and that's why they don't ever hear them. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. We we've set up the feed such that if you subscribed past a certain date, that's where you get the ads. But then if you're you know if you're prior to that date, the true fans. A, yeah, loyal listener, you you get yeah. In your words, you, you get grandfathered in. It's 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 we we worked pretty hard on that. No nobody else really has that. Yeah, all these new suckers are the ones listening to these uh, Casper ads. <laughs> That's right. I we, we we should come back to that too. Have we, have we talked about that on the air or just off the air? Sorry, are you going to like transcribe this? And because I think you've said we're going to come back to like eight different things. Yeah, we we do that from time to time here. Um, I, I've come kind of full circle or done a one eighty. I don't know what the right expression is on the idea. Well, where did of... you start? <laughs> well, I st- I guess it was a one eighty in this case. Um, cause I, I really, for a long time, didn't think that I would ever want to buy a mattress online, but I'm kind of starting to think that it might not be the worst idea ever because like these, these prices are, they're really, really, really competitive. And with the hundred night trial, it kind of seems like outside of the hassle of returning it which i mean i i hate even returning like a cable so the the idea of returning a a mattress is is kind of frightening but but it is like a it's a hundred day trial so it seems like a pretty good pretty good deal 
Yeah, go go see if that uh, Amex deal is still going, and that way you get the 150 off. Yeah, right. And like, I'm I'm kind of thinking, you know, you you get one of these mattresses, and you know, even if it's not exactly what you want it to be, like if it's not exactly your type of feel, you know, they they make mattress toppers. That's that's exactly what I've got now, where I've got a older mattress, but I got a you know hundred dollar memory foam topper from Costco, and it's fantastic. <laughs> I think that speaks to your uh, to the opinion you mentioned about whether or not you'd send something back at a restaurant. You you would deal with a subpar mattress and just fix it yourself. No, I I think if if I had because I mean you know, well you're sp- you're spending a third of your life on it, right? But it, it's also you know even though places like Casper and Lisa and all these other online mattress vendors of which there's a startling large number, there's like eight of them now. Of, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's still for like a king size mattress. You're talking close to a, a yeah, close to a thousand dollars. You know, all said and done, so it's it's a it's a big enough purchase where if I wasn't a hundred percent satisfied, I, I I would go through the hassle of sending it back. I I'd, I wouldn't be happy about it, but I would I would do it in that case. Yep. Okay. Technology. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the online mattresses—that's that's kind of like technology with the, with as much as they advertise on tech podcasts. Eh, vaguely, yeah. All right. So I want to start with you'd sent me a thing earlier talking about uh, podcasting being a, a difficult medium to create relative to many other things. And I'll be honest, I didn't read the article because I was busy sending you pictures of Bill Clinton in the back of a truck <laughs> and angry John McCain. I got so, I got really excited with that Bill Clinton photo because I I, I really thought that you took it. And I thought that because I I figured that he was in California because Hillary's been out here. But no, I, he did a he did a thing in Oakland like two days ago. Yeah, but um, no, I was not with him standing in the back the the tailgate of a Ford pickup truck between two American flags stumping for his wife. <laughs> yeah. So what was the deal with this with this article, or or this concept? The, so the, the, I think the the main concept here is not only the effort that is put into podcasts, but the impact that podcasts have. So the the basic premise was that so he, there's kind of like this little graph, which I think is the image that Slack used for the snippet when I pasted this in, which is. You know, different mediums have both different levels of effort and levels of impact. So the example in this graph is that while a book or a novel is hard to create, it takes years and years to develop and write and perfect and edit, books can also have a high impact. I mean, a book could change your life. But that's the words of the article. But with and then kind of at the other end of the spectrum, you've got things like Twitter and Instagram where it couldn't be any easier to post a tweet or post a picture, but then also those are relatively low impact. Yes, there's a there's the potential that a tweet could be very profound and change the way you think about something. But in, in general, an individual tweet isn't going to change your life. And podcasting sort of falls in between where... It's very difficult to create a podcast, but then it's also very unlikely that a podcast is going to have a huge impact on your life. 
And I, I would I, I I would take a little exception to that, I guess. I actually I, I kind of almost disagree with both sides of the argument. I, I don't think podcasts are particularly difficult to create, and I think they've they're easier than they've ever been before. You know, I, I would admit I'm a little more tech savvy than probably a lot of people are, but I, I still feel like putting together this program is not incredibly difficult and it comes out in a way that I'm I'm really happy with. And I would also say that on the other side that there are podcasts that have had profound impacts to the way that I've thought about things. You know, it's I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the air, but uh Dan Benjamin had his show called Quit and actually it he started releasing those right as I was looking for a new job a few years ago. And that podcast really had a you know profound uh impact in the way that I thought about looking for for my new job so i so i i don't, I don't know I, I i kind of i kind of took exception with kind of the entire premise of of this article okay, so let's take it in a couple of different directions so I would disagree with your assessment that podcasts aren't that difficult to make just because I, I think what this is suggesting in in uh, my limited uh, skimming of it, but like if, if you're going to start a Twitter account or upload something to Instagram, it's assuming that you like everybody has a computer or a smartphone of some sort. So therefore the difficulty of creation of content is you create an account, you think up a thought or you snap a phone, a uh, picture with your phone and you post but yeah, overall the the reach is going to be kind of minimal and any it's it's long-term impact unless it's related to some like massive historical event is generally pretty low. But creating a podcast that's of any acceptable quality requires like if you think about what we do, like each person to have a uh like mid-range to high-end microphone which is probably a couple hundred dollars to uh know how to use Skype in addition to some type of call recording software uh, to have somebody who knows how to mix it down and make it listenable. So even like in, even if you're using that cast software uh, that simplifies a lot of this, it's still not like just go to twitter.com or download an app and you're good to go. But then again, I also maybe will disagree with the premise that podcasting needs to be that easy just because podcasts in terms of like consumption effort also is sizably more than just looking at a photo. Like if I want to consume what a hundred people are sharing on Instagram, that just means I'm scrolling through my Instagram feed for at most two minutes a day. Whereas if I wanted to get the content from a hundred different podcasts, that's more time than I have in the day. So yes, I would agree that it podcasts have the opportunity to have a much bigger impact, whether in insofar as you are creating compelling stories or having like interesting conversations. But I'd also say, yeah, they are pretty hard to create. But I guess I'm not sure why they need to be so easy to create. Because I think making quality content for like somebody to listen to, like that should take effort. Well, you you do make a really fair point, which is I was really focusing just on sort of the the technical angle of actually producing and distributing a show, but I, there is that 
other side of it too, which is, and that this program I think is actually a really good example where, I mean, we've been at this for almost four years now and we, we went a pretty long period of time. We went kind of off and on probably two years, you, you would you say, uh, of where we were basically recording these things, but not putting them out. And I think we, we needed to invest that time to get the show into a place where, you know, we both felt good about putting it out there. Yeah, because I think there's a lot. Uh, certainly, um, I think that's uh, that's out of respect for anybody who would even potentially think of listening to this. Whereas I think it's much, and that's another thing of like when you somebody who's uh, has the audacity to create a podcast, in the sense that creating a podcast means you are suggesting that somebody give you like. 30 minutes to two hours of your of of a, of a consumer's attention every week or however frequently it's released whereas a tweet or uh, an instagram post or a Flickr post is something that would take between one and maybe 10 seconds of assumed attention so again i think it's it's very different mediums i think like somebody who's either like a filmmaker or an author or somebody who does some type of like spoken word type thing it, it it has a higher level of engagement and potential impact for like giving somebody more worthwhile uh like content for like in return for their time but you are asking somebody a lot for their time so i just think it's a different medium and just different in general yeah i i think i think you've made completely fair points i just i don't know i i I guess it was especially the maybe not so much the part of the effort to create, but the potential impact that podcasts can have. Kind of uh, dismissing that in this article, I I wasn't wasn't super comfortable with or didn't didn't really agree fully with. And that that I I will totally agree with in the sense that I think like podcasts to me are very very important. Like I think I would say it's probably in. It might even be greater than like television and movies in my life in terms of where I get the most interesting like like as as a media consumer like where I find the most value and the most interesting things on it and also in terms of like the amount of time I spend consuming a certain type of media I think podcasts are way way up there definitely in the top two potentially number one. I think that's maybe more than most people would ever have expected. And I think as podcasting becomes easier to consume, again, I I have differences on how easy it needs to be to create. I think people will see a lot of value in that. And that, I mean, that'll probably change some things because we've already seen that television trends and all that kind of stuff are, are changing a lot. But no, I think it definitely has the opportunity to make really big impact for people because since there's so many creators, you get to be super like engaged and also like picky about what you listen to. Like there's far more pod, like there's far more potential to do something interesting and new in podcasting than there is in television and movies, just because it is easier to create in that sense. But you can, like the medium is so free form that you can do whatever you want. You can make it as, as bland or interesting or involved and complex as you want it to be. And it, it it it's a medium that also so much easier or in a, in a such more in a, in a way more flexible way i guess is the best way to put it 
fits into your life where with, you know, a movie or a TV show, some people can do this. I've, I have friends who can do this. I'm not one of them. Like if, if I'm watching a TV episode or a movie, my focus has to be, has to be solely on the screen. I, I can't be sitting there on my iPad or doing whatever uh, else. Sorry to interrupt, but I, I do not get the people that try to multitask while they, while they watch television. It, 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 like pick pick one. It even bothers me when people next to me are are on their phone. Like then we just don't have to watch this. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, whereas podcasting it, it is totally made for multitasking, and and for me that's that's exactly how podcasting fits into my life. It's I'm listening to a podcast while I'm doing something else, while I'm commuting, while I'm doing the dishes, while I'm cleaning my apartment, while I'm driving. You know, whatever it is, like podcasting almost is always complementary to something else that I'm doing. And that's that's to me the power of it where I can get a ton out of it, but I don't need to solely focus on it or put a different way, have that be the only thing I'm doing. Yeah, completely agree. I don't know. Podcasting might be big. It, it's, it has potential, yeah. I you know I thought about this the other day that I have now been listening to podcasts for over ten years. Yeah, I uh, I think we talked about this briefly once, but I, I remember the old days when I had my third generation iPod, and I would use um, there's a Windows application called Juice. Yes, that was a podcatcher. Yes, again, these are words that don't exist anymore. Uh huh. <laughs> um, yeah that that was those were weird old times. That was back. Uh, Kind of, I fell off the Mac bandwagon for uh, for a bit, and then I, I picked it back up in two thousand five. But yeah, well, then I, I remember having a video iPod, and I, I experimented some with video podcasts. Yeah, I remember when vlogging was supposed to be a thing, right? Yeah, it wasn't. But again, I think it it speaks to the advantage that an audio program has, which is. You can. You don't have to necessarily dedicate your entire attention to it while still getting a lot out of it. And that's the thing. You, it, you like when your video requires somebody's complete attention generally. So there's a much higher threshold of in in. No, it's not, it's not a word, but in, engagement. Is that yeah, kind of. Um, yeah, like for like a threshold for like how interesting or or how high quality something needs to be. Because you're not only having to have interesting content, it also has to be recorded well, and the visuals have to keep the person some attention. When uh, for many things, that's not the right medium, which is where I think audio excels. Yeah, exactly. Want to talk about WWDC? Since that seems to be everything that happened today, but also probably what will happen for the next week. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we kind of have to. Um... I think you know last week we sort of did our our big WWDC speculation show and I I don't think really much has changed since then. Um I I guess if if people if people want more of the speculation I would I'd point them to this week's episode of Upgrade which I thought was was entertaining. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily agree with some of the predictions that were made although to be fair I I think well, I think that I think the point was for them to be more outlandish and less likely as they went. Exactly, yeah. So, but I thought I thought the format was was really good, and it it, it was an interesting uh, listen. 
but yeah, no, I, th- I think the, you know, the the run up to WWDC here was was sort of um, amplified today by um, the App Store news. Yeah, which is which is pretty. So I guess the, I'll let you kind of go into the the nuts and bolts of it, but I think to kind of tee people up on this, so. Phil Schiller went out and gave an interview to The Verge, and he gave an interview to John Gruber, who then posted about it on Daring Fireball today. And it, were, those, were those the two places he went? I think he also did it with uh, Dalrymple at Loop Insight and potentially a couple other sites. Got it. Okay. But so yeah, so so you know this is not this is not like a. A press release or like um uh you know page on apple.com this was actually you know the the basically the top of apple going out and and explaining this stuff so this was weird or not weird but it's it's it, there's a lot in here because when you think about how massive the app store is so it was kind of three key things that are changing so first up uh the app store will now uh like android and certain other platforms it will have paid ads inside a search on the app stores. And then apps that in traditionally, uh, so the second part, apps that uh, generally were only allowed to be subscription-based were apps where you uh, subscribe to some type of content or service. So this is something like uh, like Netflix or Pandora or um, Spotify or like magazines, uh, formerly part of Newsstand. Uh, those were allowed to charge you on a monthly basis for some type of content. But most applications couldn't do that. They had to rely on either making whole new versions of their applications to get recurring revenue or keep adding uh, features that you had unlocked through in-app purchase. So that is now being opened up to everybody so that productivity apps and, and games and all that kind of stuff can run on a subscription basis, which changes a lot of things. And then lastly... They are now changing the terms a little bit of the revenue share split uh, agreement that they've had with developers for a while. In the past, it's been a uh, developer gets 70% of the proceeds of App Store revenue. Apple gets 30%. Now what they're doing is uh, if you have a subscription that is one year old, and this applies retroactively to subscriptions customers already have, uh, you get 85% of the revenue. Apple gets 15 so, you know, one of the things that I, I feel kind of silly about is I, I totally didn't know the the previous requirement that only certain types of apps could have a subscription within the app store like that. I, feel, I mean, in, in retrospect, it feels kind of dumb, but I just I totally I totally never thought about that. Well, and, and a quick point of clarification, I think that was always really vague. Because the thing is, uh, certain apps did, like Strava, like the running app that I use, uh, charges six bucks a month for like the premium features on it, and they've been allowed to do that forever. And like Office three sixty five does as well, but like a one password has not been able to do that. I guess that that makes me feel better because that I'm glad you brought up Office three sixty five because that was the exact thought that came came to mind was because you know and we'll get into this as this conversation goes but you know people have been jumping on this as saying like oh well you know this is finally the opportunity for enterprise and you know more traditional mac apps to finally have a sustainable business model on the ios app store and i thought like well but there's already like 
office. Like, do, doesn't that already can't? Couldn't that have already happened? But yeah, I guess I guess maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, that's weird because when I was re because uh, I of all the uh, interview slash like controlled press release thing that happened today, the one I read the most carefully and and put the most faith in is is Gruber's. And yeah, and he writes, um, until now, subscription pricing was reserved for apps that serve media content, streaming, audio and video, news, etc. Apple is now opening up to any category. But again, I'd like then how did um, Microsoft Office and Strava like how how are what how did they qualify for that? It's just weird. And I think that's one of the problems with the App Store has been that there's always been a lack of clarity with uh response to, in response to their policies and what's okay and who gets exceptions for what kind of stuff. And I think now that those uh that the app stores and now fall under Schiller and they are they seem to be uh, receiving a lot more attention, maybe that's being fixed now. But yeah, I think I think the subscription part of this is one of the most interesting parts. Yeah, but you know, I I think it, and it's you know, sticking with Gruber. So he he had his initial post with you know, kind of highlights and excerpts from his his time or his interview with with Schiller, but then he had a post later on this evening, which I which I also linked to in the Slack, which kind of goes into you know the the model before was uncertain, and this this change has maybe cleared up some of that uncertainty, but in some ways has also created more uncertainty, and so. You know, so one of the things that he he brings up is whether or not this new subscription model is truly universal, meaning that it could be used for any kind of app or for really any reason. Like it's not it's not really clear, or a lot of people have had at least questions about. You know, if, if you're an app that isn't necessarily providing some type of like recurring service, but rather you want a subscription model just to continue to roll out new features like is is that is that going to be allowed and it's not it's not entirely clear whether or not that's going to be the case or not like it it sounds like apple still has discretion over what it deems to be uh an acceptable use of of a subscription or not and so that's you know whenever you're whenever you're putting kind of the faith of your business in a third party, that's, that's cause for concern. Yeah. So I, I hadn't read this yet. That's, that's, hmm. And you know, maybe, maybe this stuff will get cleared up in the coming days and weeks. It, it's, it's possible that this is just some initial confusion, but I think if these questions aren't explicitly answered, you know, it, 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 it'll, it'll, you know, it'll basically take until this becomes publicly available and then some period of time after that until this all shakes out before we really figure it out. So most of what I'll, I'll, I'll talk about or I'll, I'll consider is based off the premise of this being rolled out in a in a sensible, universal way. But I, I guess my question is, what what do you think is the usefulness or like, are you excited for... Do you think it's good for the overall developer and like ecosystem for subscription applications to be available? Like, do you, would you, one password's a wrong example because they could charge whatever they want for that. And I, I would <laughs> right. That's, that's like, it's like they, they got you. It's like the electricity coming. Like, what, what are you going to do? You can go live in the woods? No. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like, let's say like OmniFocus. 
because like that's that's I think that's always my example whenever I think of subscription software like uh, other than Adobe Creative Cloud or whatever I have uh like it's um OmniFocus like they charge like it's like 60 or 80 bucks for the Mac app I think it's 40 or 60 for the iOS apps so if they released some type of like $8 a month iOS subscription service do you think that's better overall for you as a consumer? And do you think that is better for other types of consumers? So I've kind of, I've sort of gone back and forth with this today. When the news first came out, I initially thought that this was sort of a no brainer in terms of kind of being kind of potentially a win-win for both sides where you have this steady, sustainable stream or kind of continuous stream of income on the developer side. And then maybe as the consumer, you've got sort of a, a lower barrier to entry and then you're you're sort of paying money, maybe even more amount of money than you would have compared to just an initial upfront purchase, but you're paying it over a longer period of time, which for a lot of people is a good thing. But then, particularly with this this Gruber article that I just referenced with kind of highlighting some of the uncertainty around this new model, the the big thing is the fact that, you know, so, you know, historically, and in, in Gruber's article uses um, apps like um, Tweetbot and Twitterific, where when they come out with new major versions, what they'll do is they'll literally come out with a new app in the App Store. And then if you want to upgrade, you just, you know, you have to pay for it again which a lot of people don't like. But what this article highlights is the advantage of that, which is if you're perfectly happy with the version that you currently have and you just you just want to continue using that and you, you don't feel compelled to have the latest version, you're not forced to. You can just continue to use that existing version. I mean, assuming the developer continues to support whatever server it's connecting to or whatever. But... You know, like in the case of Tweetbot or Twitterific, these are Twitter clients. So, you know, unless Twitter changes their APIs or something, those will continue to work. Whereas with this subscription model, you know, at least the way that it's theoretically going to work in the App Store, if a company switches to a subscription model, so if, you know, sticking with the same example, if Tweetbot were to switch over to this model and you you have to pay this subscription to it, and as part of that subscription, you just, you know, you get, you just get all the latest updates and you get updated to the latest version. You could find yourself in a situation where, you know, you were perfectly happy with the previous version and you're, you're basically paying for something that you didn't really want in the first place, but you can't really opt out of. So now I'm, now I'm kind of torn. Now I, now I don't really know. Like I don't, like I, I, in some ways I feel like this change has solved some of the existing problems, but has now created new problems, if if that makes sense. It does. And it's yeah, it's 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 extremely tricky and because the 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 draws are uh reduced uh, initial startup cost and that kind of stuff and, and recurring revenue for the developer. But for me, I think this is dangerous in a couple of ways because a lot of apps I'm willing to purchase for between one and ten dollars. Like ten dollars is usually the the level where I have to really, really want something uh, in order to in order to buy it. But if most things become subscription services, I think that just that ends up 
being weird if at the end of the month I'm thinking like, oh, I'm paying, let's say it all adds up to being like $36 a month just for software on my iPhone rather than just making individual one-time purchases. Just in terms of like maybe flawed consumer logic, that makes me like start, I don't know, like recurring charges are always just you're like, is this worth it? Like, like I think you do you own do you pay for a subscription music service? I do, yeah. I I do subscribe to Apple Music. Okay. Well, never mind. I thought I thought um, you might not, but like I think a lot of people are like, well, do I use this enough? And they start quibbling over three to um, like I, I have a bunch of coworkers and people I talk to that like quibble over the idea of paying for Pandora One or like Spotify. And like I'm like you know this is like respectively four and ten dollars a piece right like you you waste that on anything else, but the idea of recurring payments always like just spooks people, and I think in software that might be tricky, but I think the potential benefits of uh, more sustainable revenue for developers, them not having to try to hold on to uh, new features that they want to do and lump them into a big version 4.0 or something like that that has a lot of benefits and there are certain applications like tweetbot where i get so much value out of it way beyond whatever initial four or five dollars it costs like where i I think yeah that's great and i want to support its continued development but there are a lot of apps that i've purchased that maybe i i don't that i that i uh, i bought and i like but i don't use enough to the point where i think i would be comfortable having a recurring subscription for so I, th- I think it just it it unlocks and and poses challenges with like a lot of consumer choice and preference, like economic issues. So I think you know, as Gruber smartly points out in this article, the the, the problem still pers- persists with the App Store, even with these changes, where there just simply isn't the flexibility that there is on the Mac or on Windows, where Developers can sort of have whatever kind of, you know, economic model they want. They can have a one-time upfront license charge and then provide free updates. They can um, have a version of their software, provide updates for some period of time, then come out with with a new version that users can either choose to upgrade to or not. Others have transitioned to a subscription model, you know, kind of famously Adobe and Microsoft. You, the point being that you can sort of pick and choose whatever model you want, or maybe even some hybrid of, of those different choices. But the reality is, on the on the App Store, there just simply isn't that flexibility, and there's really no indication that Apple's ever going to go fully in that direction. So I, I I think in a lot of ways, this again, it kind of just like it it just kind of shuffles the shuffles the deck around as opposed to truly solving for the, the the kind of the core problem maybe because if you'd asked me like a year ago i think well and, and probably now i think the app store really 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 needs free trials because as somebody who's willing to pay for software i there are many apps that have an increased cost that I won't purchase sight unseen because the app store has no type of uh, refund policy or, or, or recourse if the app doesn't do what you actually need it to do. But then that leads to crappy user experiences because everybody tries to then, in an effort to make that work, make free applications 
that just have a whole like metric buttload of in-app purchases. And free trials would mitigate that problem. And then there could be like little feature packs that you can do with in-app purchases and that kind of stuff. But on that note, there are some applications like stuff that the Omni Group makes and people like that where there aren't enough like big versions that are coming out all the time where subscription revenue for sustainable development is a really important and probably the most viable business model going forward. So like barring the ambiguity and, and, and weirdness of the app store, I think that is where most software is going or needs to go. But again, I just think, again, there's all those consumer choice problems that make this something that might not be entirely successful. Because when you're subscribing to a magazine or like some type of monthly music service, you have a more straightforward view of what you're getting. Whereas with software that maybe doesn't change that frequently, you have to think a lot more about, well, like I'm paying for the right to use this for something that used to be just a one-time purchase. Right. And I think you're you're really highlighting what I was trying to get at, which I think in order, which is in, in order to really solve this problem, you kind of have to offer lots of different choices because there really isn't a single model that's going to appeal to, quite frankly, I would say even a majority of consumers, because I think consumer taste in this area is so diverse that by limiting your choice to, to really just one or two options at best you're just you're just not going to appeal to you know potentially a large enough group of people well and and on that note that that brings up something else which is i i've i've always complained and i and i think it's still true is that apple they have this like warped view of what sustainable developer economics is because they're the ones that in an effort to move as many devices as they can they architected a developer ecosystem that encouraged a race to the bottom in terms of app prices. So this subscription stuff is a response to kind of uh, placating developers that can't make any money having to sell their devices as e their software as either freemium or like at $1 to $3 and praying that they make it up in volume. And that's an issue with the way that Apple makes it incredibly difficult to have a sustainable business. So I, I think a lot of that is their own doing, and I, I don't really think this solves for every case that they need. I still think free, like I think free trials would do more than this to to provide um, actual help and and solve problems on the app store. Right. Yeah. Yep. yep. Free. I think free trials, and then also giving upgrade pricing. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Upgrade pricing. Yeah. And that's that's not that's not what this is. I think it, it it almost feels like people are trying to think about those problems and then trying to kind of like fit them into this new model as in a way that this new model then solves those problems. Which for maybe certain use cases it does, but for a lot of other cases it doesn't. I think for complicated, expensive software like Adobe Creative Suite and office this is a perfect business model i think for a lot of other things it's not and i think we talked about this maybe four episodes ago 
there was uh, like text expander. You'll remember that that went as a, for a new version 5.0 a subscription and an app that used to cost like $40 as a one-time purchase and got a major revision maybe every two to three years now costs like $6 a month. And for somebody like me who likes it, but doesn't use it all that much, like that, that's nuts. I'm not, I'm not paying almost as much as I do for Spotify for a thing that expands my email address. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting, but I think, uh, I, I don't know who said this, but I saw it online earlier, which is the, there's probably a good reason why they released this now in the way that they did, because this would be a very controversial and a type of subject to talk about at WWDC and has a ton of questions that go along with it. Yeah, which I which is kind of I, th- I thought it was a really good point when when I that was when I saw that this evening, and you know Schiller kind of tried to spin it in a way that was like, well, you know, this, this keynote we've got on Monday is going to be so jam packed that we just we couldn't possibly fit couldn't <laughs> possibly fit this in. You can't fit in how you guys get paid. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Just look the other way. That's right. But I, I I do think yeah the 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 much more likely reasoning behind this is. You know, Apple did not want all the headlines after the keynote to be about this. They would rather it be about whatever new features are coming out. You know, and it, with with iOS, because I, cause I I do think you know, in some ways, I do think there's going to be a lot to talk about because you know they've got really like four operating systems to talk about now. And you have yeah, you've got lowercase Mac OS. You got <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, but before before we get off this. Uh, one quick thing is that, did you see what Google did? Or, well, sorry, that's the other part that we we haven't talked about, which is um, they made a change to the revenue split, where generally it's been 70-30 on everything for uh, time ad infinitum. And now it's going to be an 85-15 split on subscriptions that are older than a year. So let's say somebody decides to subscribe to Office 365. And I'm sure Microsoft has some other thing negotiated out anyway, but we'll use them as the example. Instead of being a 70-30 split forever, it becomes 85-15 for the developer and Apple after one year, uh, which is interesting and I think an improvement overall. I mean, you, uh, I think that should probably be the, the ratio on everything because that's why. Uh, but no, do you see that Google on this uh, today also said, you know what, we're going to just do an 85-15 split, period. Oh, I, didn't, I did not see that. That came out today? Yeah, and I was, I was like, that's... It's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, so Apple's Apple's reasoning behind that, which I, it could be PR spin, but I, I mean, I, I really thought it kind of made sense. Which is, you know, we we take a bigger piece up front because we feel like we're the ones bringing the product or the service and the customer together. But then, clearly, if that person has been a subscriber for you know, a longer period of time, which Apple's defining as a year, you know, the only reason that consumer is going to continue to subscribe is if you're providing them with some kind of value. And so because of that, you know, the the developer then deserves maybe a bigger cut. So I think that's true, but in a lot of ways, I think that's, that's nonsense and it's not. Because if you, let's say somebody says like, uh, you you tell somebody who's not very tech savvy or like like you tell like an old an older person you, you tell like a relative or something that you know you should try out Netflix it's great and they go to the, they have their iPhone they go to the App Store and they go to Netflix and they want to subscribe to it that's not Apple didn't really bring that to them 
So why does Apple deserve 30% of the revenue? Like, I understand the idea of, you know, the ease of which uh, the app store is there and the reduction in friction of not having to collect uh, payment information from the user and all that kind of stuff. Like, all of that leads to an easier experience and more customers being more likely to actually subscribe. But for a lot of things, it's just Apple won't... Like, what are the restrictions? Like, you can't sell subscriptions or... Like, because that's another thing, like, which probably hasn't changed with the App Store, but you can't sell your own subscription or you can't actually have, like, in-app commerce on your thing. It all has to go through the App Store, period. If you have an account that, like, is a premium service and your customers subscribe to it on the web elsewhere, it's okay for them to log in, but your app also can't have a link telling them, here's where you subscribe. Right. So I think that's where Schiller's uh, excuse or, or, like, reasoning falls down very quickly. Yeah. Anyway, that was amusing of Google. Way, way to take the wind out of their sails. <laughs> well, so this, this is, I'm, I'm looking at a recode article about the, right. Uh, nice. Um, this is not official yet, it sounds like. It's not, maybe this is a, this, 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 to me, reads very much like a controlled leak, but this is not, not official. Google or Apple? Google. Ah. Uh. Like it's it sounds like it's gonna happen, but yeah, there's it's not a it's not an official statement from Google. Well, I think Apple, Google probably should to if anything they can do to try to close the gap on uh, profitability of the platform because Android has always had a big problem with um, converting their users into paying customers because Google loves to not have things cost money. Well, at the end of the day, I mean, really, you know. You, I mean, you can make a case that this App Store revenue doesn't even mean a ton to Apple. I mean, it, I think it, I think it does, and maybe it means more than it has in the past. Well, that remember what what was the the BS uh, or the thing that they had on the earnings call where they're they're saying they're now a services company? Well, they they, they didn't they didn't quite go that far, but they well, no, they said oh, we have like a services division that's going to be increasing like uh, an important uh, component of our earnings going forward or some crap like that. Sure. Um... But I think in the, you know in the case of Google, this App Store revenue means even less because at the end of the day, you know it's it's all about getting more people engaged with Google Google services and more specifically Google ads. So and Google self driving cars. That's right. Because again, the search thing is going away. It's all, it, uh, the internet is basically going to be Facebook pretty soon. Although if we're, if we're being um, if we're being completely accurate, it's Alphabet driving cars, not not Google driving cars. Because the, the the cars yeah. the, the car the cars are in the other bets category. That's not a Google thing. Uh, hold on, Google self driving car. I, no. I, I believe no. If, you, if no, if you go to Google dot com slash self driving car, it is still branded as Google self driving car project, even though it is one of their moonshots as part of the other bets. The alphabet is that their that literally that the on their term? on their income statement. They are their the income statement they file with the SEC. There is literally Google revenue and there is other bets. Those are those are the two lines. Yeah, let's change it to moonshot. <laughs> That's a good phrase. Moonshot? No, uh, other bets. Uh, anybody, anybody, anybody who goes to Vegas should just say, I, you know, I, have, I have my actual income, I have my 401k, and then I have other bets. I appreciate its honesty. 
<laughs> they couldn't just put in quotes shit we hope will compensate for search when it's <laughs> well, not that, a thing anymore would, i mean that would be taking it that's, to the that's n- long that'd be yeah. yeah it's longer i think you could, you could abbreviate it somehow but that, that's maybe a little bit too blunt but I, I i do appreciate the word bets being used in a, an official government document yeah other people would just say like r&d or some, some yeah like right stuff like that but yeah. no uh, uh, yeah or <laughs> backup plan Oh, that w- oh, I like that a lot. Oh, that would be good. Yeah, it's Google Plan B. Go backup backup plan. Man, I I like that. Show title. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's going to come down between that and Sparkling Water Renaissance. Uh, I th- I'm thinking I already forgot what I said. <laughs> backup plan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um all right. Um, well, actually, so I I know the way that I want to close out this topic. Okay. <laughs> and I'm 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 really curious what your answer would be because I don't even I don't know what my answer would be. How much would you pay per month for one password? Ten dollars. So if one password was fifteen dollars a month, you'd give it up. No. <laughs> like how much do I like? Because uh, we well we can know this because uh, what's uh, one password for Teams? Because uh, they already have a new subscription service that they're rolling out, which uh, let's see what the the per user license on that is. Uh, by now, four bucks a month per user billed annually, five dollars a month when billed monthly. Yeah, that makes total sense. But I just, I just, I don't, I don't. You're taking this too literally. I just mean like, <laughs> what do you mean that they're taking it very literally? It's their business. <laughs> I just, I just, I just wanted to. I don't know. I just wanted to kind of tease out like how valuable one password is so i'm trying to think like would i would i pay 20 bucks a month for one password like if, yes. if, I, if I was forced to i probably would yeah. of course you would yeah but then like where does that stop would i would i pay 25 dollars a month yes 30 i feel like that's it starts yeah, that's a lot of money it starts yeah it starts to get kind of tough but again, yes i let's 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 turn this into like a susan sarandon save the dogs type thing uh or what's her name? I have uh, I have absolutely no idea what just happened. What what's what's her name? I I don't I don't have any idea what kind of reference you're trying to make. You know the uh, thing where uh, what's her name? Last last name is McLaughlin. Sarah McLaughlin. The uh, <laughs> what you, what'd you say before? Susan Sarandon. <laughs> You know the thing where there's wow. the, the, the 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 ASPCA or like the, the she sings a really sad song and they show all the dogs in the animal shelter. Oh, I, 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 I can't think about that. You know when they say like the for less than a dollar a day. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. Now, now <laughs> this is a weird pivot, but for a dollar a day, I want to not have to remember my passwords. <laughs> so yes, thirty dollars yeah, a month, put, I guess, yeah. is acceptable. Oh man. Would really save some dogs. <laughs> there's, there's another commercial. I don't know if they show it out way out where you are, but um... God, we're eight miles away. <laughs> Get off my ass. Um, the, the like the elder dog adoption. Have you, have you seen that one? Oh, Muttville. Yeah. Oh, dude, I love that because they also they have the best logo. They, they really do. You know? Can you describe it? So it's, it's, it's the, it's like a dog walking away from the camera. And it's got a cane, little cane, and and his tail wags, and his tail but, uh, wags, like on yeah. like on a like a perfect pendulum, right? It's the best, yeah. <sighs> but that, oh man, that commercial. Well, let me uh, send you a link real quick. Um, 
Yeah, their website's very good. And if you hover over the uh, the picture of the Bashan in the top right, uh, his nose wiggles. Oh, it sure does. But see, oh, oh this, this is so sad. Oh, you got to adopt number three. Professor's adorable. <laughs> it's a pretty good name, too. Oh, yeah. cutie. Hmm. All right, close close the tap. Yeah, yeah. Or or reopen it later. <laughs> right. Do forward slash remind in Slack, and it'll tell you. Okay. What are we talking about? Oh yeah. What was? I, I think we're pretty much done with I, I, the I, I app store so. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, do we want to do any on the record WWDC prediction, uh, predictions, or leave it as a surprise? Yeah, I think so. I'll I'll keep it simple. I mean, my prediction is going to be. Only software. We will not see a single new or... Well, you know, actually, well, I'll say this. The absolute only new piece of hardware that we would see would be strictly a um, bump of an existing product. So a product that from the exterior looks the same, but then has maybe a faster processor or something. But we will see no new hardware designs or new products. At WWDC. You're probably right, but I don't I don't see where they fit new hardware in elsewhere. Because we know the iPhone 6SS or what whatever the hell the new thing is gonna be, is gonna be out in September. I think I think you're thinking of the iPhone SE2. No, they wouldn't call it that. Because, <laughs> no, I thought about that. I was like the iPhone 6 SE, but that makes absolutely no sense. Um, oh, God. What if they do oh, What if they do that? that? Actually, I don't know. That's one of those things where we've talked about this before where you you kind of you hear or you see a rumor and you just, it kind of just, you just, you just, you're like, oh, yeah, that, that, that sounds right. When you said that, 6 SE, it's like, I could see that. Yeah, but that, no, I don't, I don't like that at all. Because six SE plus. I didn't say I like it. I could just, I could, I could see Apple doing it. Oh, I, I remember how negative and angry I were. Not angry, but, but just like how dumb I thought the name three GS was. It's still kind of a dumb name. It is. That, was, that um, wasn't that wasn't a very good iPhone either. No, it was. No, but compare it to the iPhone four. Well, yeah, but you, but the iPhone four was like. That's like discovering the light bulb. I know, but just we think like going from the 3G to the 3GS, then from the 3GS to the 4, it's like, But man. here's the thing, you, but you have to remember how excruciatingly slow the 3G was. Yeah, I guess I guess maybe what I'm what I'm getting more at is just or maybe maybe the better thing I'm trying to say is like going from the original iPhone to the 3G versus going from the 3G slash the 3GS to the 4. Like you, you, it's a huge step backwards going from the original iPhone to the 3G, but then it's a just an incredible leap forward going from either the 3G or 3GS to the 4. I think you might have flipped a word in that sentence, but yes, you know what I'm you know what I'm trying to get at. Yes, uh, I don't, was I don't think I did. Maybe I did. You said it was a step backwards. Going oh well, whatever. From whatever. The 3G okay, to the iPhone. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, I was so I was so focused on getting the model numbers right. Okay, you can you can edit it out. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, yeah, exactly. Yeah, drop a marker here. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't see where they fit in new hardware otherwise. So what I think maybe happens, like I don't think there's gonna be new hardware that ships like tomorrow, 
but I think they have something related no, to No, see that that's that's the, the the people who are speculating about that have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. There is there is there is a zero percent chance that Apple comes out on Monday and talks about a MacBook Pro or any other existing product line that they have, and they say, "Oh, and by the way, this isn't coming out until the fall." No, no, I I, th- I think they say ships in three to four weeks. I think I they would know. maybe they would maybe they, they would fast track. No, I think no. they would fast track something. For, because they're not going to have another event in July to say, "Oh yeah, come down to the Flint Center." But is it? But is announcing? But is announcing a product like that and cannibalizing a month's worth of sales more valuable than not announcing the product? But nobody cares. The Retina MacBook Pro is is so is already so old that it it doesn't matter. The people who are going to be in stores, like the people who care, weren't going to buy it anyway. And when has Apple ever been afraid of cannibalizing their own sales? Hmm. Well, in any case, I'll I'll go back to the thing that I've said time and time again. The reason I don't think there's going to be any new hardware is because it hasn't leaked yet. We haven't seen it. Well, Gurman's leaking it. A new new Bloomberg News employee, Mark Gurman. Yeah, but he hasn't said it's going to be announced on Monday. He hasn't said anything. Yeah, well, he he talked about the he talked about the OLED thing and the Mac. Well, yeah, Pro. but he hasn't he hasn't said anything for or against. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, I think there's probably going to be something there. I, even if it, I think I count as being right, even if there's just a speed bump to the Mac Pro. No, because that, that's what yes, I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, well, the, what I'm saying is that the only new hardware that we would see would be if there's no exterior changes on an existing product, and it's just a speed bump. Okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb, and I'm gonna say. Some type of new hardware, whether it be this, uh, well, it's probably not going to be the funky monitor um, because, you know, they're not going to release it because you have to buy a 5K iMac. We'll get back to that. But, uh, but yeah, Retina MacBook Pro probably because it's old. Um, I think, yeah, I think something happens there. But otherwise, yeah, and it's just going to be iOS uh, iOS 10, which uh, I don't think they're going to stylize as iOS X because no. Um, I see. No, I th- I think you know we we were joking earlier about Schiller trying to spin the App Store news, and because they had so much to announce on Monday. Again, kidding aside, I I, I think there might be some truth to that. Where they've got four different OSs they've got to talk about now. Well, here's and the thing. I, remember, but I guarantee they don't care about TV OS. I watch OS. I, I, th- I think they do care about it. Then why is it so bad? Again, you don't, you I don't even, to, wait. Hold on. You don't anytime, even have no, an no, no, Apple no. TV. Come on. I have three Apple TVs, you, you, but, but not not the new one. Every time I go into a Best Buy or an Apple store, which is like I go to an Apple store maybe three uh, every three weeks or so. Well, I thought, you, got, I the, thought you were going to say three times a week. I was going to say <laughs> Jesus. No, because because it's by the it's by the coffee shop I like in Berkeley. Um, the, it, every time I get so confused as to how to use it or what the perceived advantages are. And then I'll always browse like the app store, just saying like, "Oh, is there is there like some really useful app that I think I would like?" No, there never is. And everybody always says like the app like the app is somehow worse than it was on the old Apple TV. No, there no way. I I forget what podcast it's on, but there's anyway. You can you can have the things you don't like about the new OS, but there there is absolutely no way that you could make a reasonable argument that it's inferior to the previous version. No way. I don't know. I don't, anyway, I don't buy that at all. 
but I, I don't think it's a priority for them. I think I think they've done whatever they're going to do with it. Like, what what do you what could change about TVOS that's going to revolutionize the world? I, I hate when you ask me these types of questions because if, if I if I knew if I knew the answer, I'd I'd be off designing it. I don't I don't know. Anyway, I'm just I'm just um, here to complain about what we already have, not not come up with solutions for that. I don't think there's going to be a ton of stuff about watchOS because watch because uh, Apple Watch two isn't out and what are they going to do just release another disappointing version of unresponsive apps no they'll, they'll wait to do that until the fall <laughs> like that's the thing like I, I i i'm assuming at this point in time is it's just that the watch itself is too slow and incapable of it because otherwise like this would have been fixed in watch os 2 right yeah one one would have thought so i don't think that's going to be a huge thing i, I think they're of course going to address it and they're probably going to have um but I think most of the meat's going to be around iOS 10 because it's it's just a a big release. And I think, again, I know a lot of people aren't talking about this or aren't really going on a limb on it. But I think this is going to be the operating system where they take liberties of rethinking a lot of the core stuff. Mm, I I hope so, but I don't know. Like I hope they don't go all Android with it and like completely dump the idea of the springboard. But I think a lot of stuff needs to change. Particularly in this, and this goes, I think the biggest thing that suggests that I'm right about this is how bad multitasking on the iPad Pro line is. And the only way they can really fix that is by rethinking the way the home screen and some of the core iOS elements work. So I think that's definitely on the table. I mean, I guess the the counter argument, which I, I I keep harping on, and I'll, I'll preface it by saying that in general, I think the software side of the house, Apple does a much better job of of keeping secret than the hardware side, and there's you know, obviously lots of logistical reasons behind that. But still, even thinking back to iOS seven, maybe you know we did we didn't see exactly what that was going to look like or what it was going to be but but it did leak out ahead of time that hey this is going to be a complete rethink of the OS the way it works the way it looks everything and we we haven't heard we haven't heard that about iOS 10 we've heard you know standalone homekit app and we've heard like dark mode. Like we we've heard some specific things, but we, the, nobody's come out there and leaked. Hey, this is going to be a significant thing. And I just Apple's just too big, and there's too many people who follow it now for this stuff to stay secret. I don't think that's true. Well, but 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 again, at least on like, the software side, but, I don't. But I, when? But I mean, honestly, like, iOS seven was different though. Like from iOS uh, from iPhone OS one point to iOS six. Not a lot changed other than the fact that it became like PC free and untethered from iTunes. So I think i7 kind of, uh, i7, iOS 7 kind of was like this tipping point where like it just, it had to. There's no way they released like another thing with like felt on the game center and all that kind of stuff where they could just slowly iterate on that. And I think this is a similar opportunity for that. I think it has to because iOS is being stretched so thin. In the sense that it's powering devices that range from a four-inch screen on the iPhone SE all the way up to a twelve-point-nine-inch screen on something with a quad-core processor and four gigabytes of RAM on the thirteen-inch or on the twelve-point-nine-inch uh, iPad Pro, I think something has to change. And I, and it damn sure isn't that they're going to split it into 
iPhone OS and uh, iPad OS. Something has to happen. I mean, I, I am committed to this. I'm doubling down. Okay, fine. I mean, in, in opportunity, yes. But again, I'm just, I, I'm skeptical that things like this can happen without it leaking out in advance because the track record the past seven, eight years has been completely the opposite. Again, you know, the specifics don't necessarily come out. We we didn't see screenshots of iOS 7. We didn't see images of Apple Watch. But in concept, we knew those things were going to happen, that that got leaked out ahead of time. Well, and they're people just, and they're just saying ha- Apple Watch was coming out for three years. But that specific September event that we had, people said, hey, this is the event that's going to happen. I, I just I, I think if there was going to be a complete rethink of iOS, I'm not saying like, it's going to be a complete rethink. I think it's just a lot of the core stuff will change. I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's going to suddenly look like Android or they're just going to like they're going to scrap the whole damn thing. I think it's going to be more than an iOS eight to nine type thing. However, you want to think about this, however you want to phrase it, fine. But I I just think that if this were going to be a significant upgrade or a significant change or rethink or whatever. Like that general concept would have leaked out by now, and it hasn't. There's been there's been zero indication that's what iOS 10 is going to be. I've got a solution to this disagreement. We're going to file this away under other bets. <laughs> and what do you want to wager on this? 5K iMac? You, yeah, you. I was going to say you buying me a 5K iMac. What do what, what do I get? You, I get a matching 5K iMac for my desk at work. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Or you get a second one for your desk at home. My my desk literally isn't big enough. (laughs) I'd be too many pixels. Where's my scan snap going to go? That's true. Um, Okay. Uh, There's still more to this. Uh, OS X. Is it still called OS X after Tuesday? No. No, it'll it'll, it'll be Mac OS. The the only question, I think, is whether there's a capital M or a lowercase m. Is it lowercase? It's going to be lowercase, I guarantee I, I, I think so, too, yeah. Because... Again, I'm not sure you're a Mac user in these days, but um... yeah, I, I see. I see the reasoning behind keeping it an uppercase M. But I, yeah, I, I do. I do think it's going to be lowercase. So, I mean, this is uh, this screen's all too familiar. But I mean, that's that's what that conjures, and and I don't think they're willing to do that. And Apple is always something a uh, company that's had like a really tight branding and style guide. So even though I think it looks repulsive to have lowercase MAC capital o capital s but i think that's probably going to be what it is right unfortunately i don't know what they're going to do with the version number at that point then because it can't be mac os 11 well i i think i i I don't know if it was jason or mike on upgrade one one of them or maybe maybe they agreed with one another i I don't remember made the case that they'll just de-emphasize version numbers and that what what we get on Monday will just simply be Mac OS. And, you know, maybe when you go into the about screen, there'll be a version number, but on all the external marketing materials, it'll just be Mac OS. And then a year from now, we'll, we'll see what they do with that. But at least from the get go, it'll, it'll just simply be Mac OS. I look forward to Mac OS Stinson Beach on Tuesday. <laughs> Yeah, that's I I again don't remember if it was Jason or Mike, but one of them made the case that it was going to I think it was Mike. He said it was going to be renamed to Mac OS, but that they would keep the California naming convention, 
no, there's no way. There's no way this is going to be Mac OS Monterey or something. They're going to no, here, no here's way. The thing. I man, uh, that'd be crazy if 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 that if that is the case, man. That would they're going to be... keep this nonsense. If they release something called OS Ten El Capitan, I think there's nothing that's off the table because <sighs> that was the worst name in the. Actually, no, Mavericks was worse. Yosemite was good. Well, this is the company that was selling. What was it? The it was the iPad iPad Mini and then iPad Mini Three, but no iPad Mini Two. No, no, it was the iPad Mini, the iPad Mini Two, the iPad Mini Three, and now it's currently the iPad Mini Two and iPad Mini Four. Oh, okay, yeah, two and four. That's what it is. Yeah. And also the company that released the iPod Hi-Fi. You know, I did. On that note, I actually really liked Mike's idea of, of it be called iPod for the yeah. Wasn't well, that good? That was good. That's real. That's like, like it was one of those things again where like when I heard it, it was just like it just resonated. I'm like, yeah, like man, that it, Apple would never do it, but man, like that that is a great name. Hashtag Mike was right. Yeah, no, for no, seriously, seriously. That, that was uh, that that was good. Has Apple never reused um, reused a name? Well, they they will on Monday with macOS, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't think so. No. Yeah. But man, oh man, and like the story you could tell about that, how this is like the the new generation, you know, like oh man, it would, it'd be so good. But yeah, they they won't they won't do that. Well, no, specifically if if it was gonna be like an Alexa style, or if it's gonna be, god damn it, uh, if it's gonna be a, a, <laughs> did she turn on? <laughs> No, I think I said it quietly enough. <laughs> she's, um, she's she's listening. She is. She can, um, she can hear you. No. I I not to, not to derail us, but I I think it's interesting and smart, but also super annoying that Am that Amazon thinks of uh, Echo as a distinct product and the uh, the 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 female name as <laughs> as 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 like the platform. It makes total sense, but specifically for my purposes, they're interchangeable, and I think uh, the lady name is a better name for the actual product. Well, can't can't you? Isn't there a setting where you can? There is where you can call it Echo instead, or you can say like "Hey Amazon" or some something like that. But the, both Wait, of those sound lame. Really? Yeah, you can change the wake word to being Amazon. Oh, that's funny. I did, I I I had thought I heard about Echo, but I didn't know about Amazon. Yeah. That's bad. So, but yeah, but no, actually, specifically, since it's gonna, if it's gonna be an Echo style thing, it should be, it it should just be the iPod Hi-Fi. Yeah, that'd be pretty good too. Because iPod specifically, like it, it, it conjures up the image of headphones and like the white earbuds, whereas iPod Hi-Fi feels like something that sits in your house and you you forget you bought it. But yeah, that's that's one thing that's definitely not coming out tomorrow. No, or Monday. Next week. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it's getting late. Uh, hour forty-five. Shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, this this was this was going to be a long one. That's fine. I thought it was going to be a short one. There was nothing that happened this week. Yeah. Uh, I think we're done with that. Okay. So, going back to something we did that we we glossed over in in the effort of continuity, but deserves coming back to. Why haven't you ordered an iMac yet? Because uh, it's so you sound you sound pretty into it. Well, so, I mean, this, this has obviously been top of mind for a long time. I, I've coveted one of these Retina iMacs pretty much ever since they came out. 
but you know, for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is just the cost associated with with getting this, it just never has really made sense or has been a you know a responsible purchase decision. Um, but I you know, went into it was kind of a perfect storm. There was the this, this kind of standalone Retina display rumors that got shot down last week. And then last weekend, I went into the Apple store just to kind of look around and in a mistake, walked over to the IMAX and was like, man, these things are great. So then I, this week, sort of officially priced out what this was, what would this would cost. I, I sent you a, a screenshot. There, there is now an Excel file in my drop, Dropbox. It's just called iMac budget. So I've actually priced this whole thing out. And, to, you know, to simply answer your question, it's, it's, you know, once I factor in the RAM upgrade and tax, I mean, this is over a three thousand dollar purchase, which would which would quite literally be only second to my car, be the second biggest purchase I've ever made in my entire life. So that's you know that's kind of a big deal. You've gone on trips that cost more than that. No. Mm-mm. How much did your most recent trip cost you in total? Uh, to oh, that was very inexpensive. How much? Um, I would. And you would? Didn't you go to Europe for ten days or something? Yeah, but that was done. That was done on the cheap too. Now Mexico, I think, was around. It was around maybe fifteen, sixteen hundred, something like that. Yeah, but you could see all the you could see all the pixels in Mexico. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just it's it's. I mean, believe me, I I I want one, but um. So my my biggest thing, right, is that so that my desk setup that I have now, so I, I have my my Windows desktop, which I've got you know the Oculus hooked up to and uh, and all that kind of stuff, and you know it, as much as I would love to just hook this desktop up to a TV, and I, it is hooked up to my TV, but like as much as I would just want to use the TV as the only display connected to the computer, like that's just it's not very practical. Because like my desk is facing the opposite direction of my TV, so I like if I wanted to have like my mouse and keyboard at the desk, I'd always have to be like looking over my shoulder at the TV. Like I like I, I kind of need a standalone monitor for my desktop, but then you know it's already ridiculous having this twenty-four inch cinema display and twenty-four inch Asus whatever monitor I have for my desktop, like having a 27 inch display along with this other monitor makes even less sense, but it's great. I, but I, but I, I love it and I want it again to give context and perspective. You, if a five K external display were to be released on Monday or Tuesday, whenever the keynote is, and it costs, let's say it costs ten ninety nine. Would you get it if it if it somehow also connected to my desktop? Absolutely. You know it wouldn't. I don't know that for sure because I I think even even this cinema display that I have, I don't think connecting it to anything other than a Mac is like an official thing you're supposed to do. But I mean, it it connects to my desktop perfectly fine. Well, I'm talking I'm talking about the bandwidth limitations, and also there's probably some software side stuff that makes. The connectivity work. Oh, maybe. So I don't think this is just kind of like a hookup display port and it's, and it's good to go. 
you know, I mean, yeah, maybe. Anyway, I'm I'm just saying that there are, I think, things mentally you have priced in that probably would have been an instant buy. That you should you should consider in this math. I guess the other thing, though, which is actually true of purchasing an external display too, which is you know we've talked about this quite a bit, which is I just I just don't spend a lot of time on a computer at home. Like I, I think for you the 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 five K iMac it makes all the sense in the world. But for me, it's, you know, it's a tougher sell. The, the, the counter argument to it would be, I, I was saying exactly the same thing about my Retina MacBook Pro for quite a long time. And then I eventually bought the Retina MacBook Pro and I absolutely love it and get way more use out of it than I could have ever imagined. So yeah. I remember when you were really uh, resistant to that too. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. All right, well, but the, the but the Retina MacBook Pro was not three thousand dollars. It was. I I don't know which version you bought, but it's probably a solid two. No, I don't think so. I think yeah. no. Yeah, I'll look I, at the receipt later. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it was that much. All right, let's keep it moving. Yeah. A uh, couple ways we can go. Um, let's talk about what Bill Simmons is doing for HBO because I know he he's one of your faves. And I'm interested in the show. He is, yeah. So, I mean, we've, on a few occasions now, sort of alluded to his current arrangement with HBO and specifically how it's been sort of ambiguous as to exactly how that's been set up. And I think there's been a lot of clarity that's come out around that the last, especially the last week. But there was a, a really good Hollywood Reporter article, which I would just direct people to to read, and we'll put that in the show notes, that very kind of explicitly lays out what what this is. So he he has his own media company, the Bill Simmons Media Group, and this partnership with HBO is sort of two twofold or maybe even threefold. Um the first of which is he gets an annual salary from HBO. They the article says 7 to 9 million dollars a year. They also became, they being HBO, became a minority investor in the Bill Simmons Media Group. And then he also gets his own TV show on HBO. So H, so in, in a lot of ways, you know, I, I think, you know, so Simmons was, was very quiet when he left ESPN for, for a variety of reasons. And the article actually gets into a lot of that ESPN stuff too, which I, I don't think is worth getting into here. But then, you know, when he finally kind of came out and, and started talking about what he was going to do, it really did sort of sound like he was essentially like an, an HBO employee. Like he he was sort of just he, he basically just, yeah, just basically signed a contract with HBO. And it, it's turned out that it's 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 quite a bit different than that. Like he really is independent. And this article even talks about how HBO is the only investor in the Bill Simmons Media Group. They've very purposefully not taken on any other investors. They've had lots of offers, but in an effort to stay more independent, he has decided not to take on additional investors, at least currently. Um, and so, you know, again, he's not not an HBO employee, but rather he's he's kind of going it on his own, but he's got HBO as... I mean, really a, a partner, I guess, would be the best way to view them. I think it's a really cool deal, and it's probably a deal only he could get. Oh, totally, yeah. Uh, because it seems very, very liberal. It seems like, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I mean, yeah, I... I yeah, I can't, like, if... Um, it seems like a Johnny Ive-style deal. Yeah, but I mean, like, it, specifically in the media world, 
I like maybe maybe like a John Stewart could get something similar. Well, didn't doesn't he have a deal with HBO? Yeah, I guess he kind of does. I don't know if it's quite the same as this, but yeah, I guess that's that's actually kind of true. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, that it's interesting to have clarity on that and I'm still really really excited for a show. Do we know if is it going to be like a panel show where it's just uh, people talking or is it an interview show like what's because I saw the preview, but didn't really specify. Yeah, well, so this, so this article went into a, into exactly what the show's going to be because it talked about how there was a lot of back and forth where Simmons wanted it to be initially like a live one-hour show, but then... Or actually, no, he wanted it to be a one-hour show, and then HBO wanted it to be live, but then HBO was like, well, let's let's start with 30 minutes because we can always work up to an hour if you want to, but let's let's get a tight 30 minutes. And then Simmons kind of was like, well, let's not do it live. Let's do it taped. Um, and so that's what they came to. So it's a taped 30-minute show. It's going to be – there's going to be an opening. There's going to be two interview segments, the first of which is a two-person interview where it's like the examples the article cited was he might have like two NFL quarterbacks and they they would kind of compare and contrast a certain topic or their certain styles or he would have maybe two actors and they would they would talk about a topic and kind of bounce off each other. Then there'd be a second interview, which would be more of a traditional like one-on-one style interview. And then there would be a closing. And the, the article was purposefully cryptic about the, the closing thing he's gonna do is, is gonna be a surprise for the show. And so the you know, the those two interviews would be like ten to twelve minutes each. They would both be pre-taped even like before so they're like the opening and the closing would kind of presumably be taped but then the interviews themselves would also be taped like before that because then they'd be edited down to the 10 to 12 minutes a piece uh so yeah that that's that's the that's the format it's going to be at least to start sounds good yeah i i'm, I'm june 22nd to june 22nd so it's exactly two weeks from today program your tivo or just go on to HBO Go. I don't. I don't really. I don't. I don't record. I don't record any HBO shows anymore. You probably. Yeah, you probably didn't record them because you weren't able to stream them outside the house. Ooh, nice. It took two tries, but the segue happened. Uh huh. This, this is all you. you. You're the one that's excited about that. Your bolt finally got. Finally got it. <laughs> yeah, but I haven't used it yet. <laughs> Um, but you know, I, I am, I am really, really excited about this. So when the TiVo bolt was announced, they were very upcoming or very forthcoming rather about the fact that it, it didn't have out of home streaming, but that was something that they would absolutely be adding in a future patch. And quite a bit of time has gone by that has not happened. But finally, I think it was last Thursday. I think it was the, like, it was the day after we recorded last week's show. TiVo came out and said that the, the update's out. And it's TiVo updates are weird where they like they kind of They're, roll out. Are they still staggered? Yeah. But then there's there's, mm. there's some way I don't know how hacky it is, but like there's some way you can like force your TiVo to, to go look for an update. So I actually have it as an omnifocus task to go in and figure that stuff out. But I, I haven't had a, a need for it, although I'll, I'm going out of town this weekend. So it, it's been a task. So before before Friday morning, I've I've got it to i've got to figure out to see if i get that set up gotcha all right and then i've got two small things i want to check in with you i think these are all these are mainly you uh 
Xbox One, I know you don't have it anymore, but when it came out originally, weren't they saying they were trying to, like, this is why they did all the um, the bundling of the Kinect and all that stuff. Wasn't it supposed to be a DVR? Yeah, well, I mean, so the Xbox One name, the, the One was a play on the fact that they wanted it to be going to HDMI One on your TV, and because they wanted it to be the One box to, to be kind of rule them all, as you would say. And so, yeah, TV was a, a huge point of emphasis. In fact, there's, a, you know, the HDMI in as well as the HDMI out on the box. So you can kind of do the pass-through and everything. So, yeah, it's a huge, was a huge emphasis on the, you know, original vision for the Xbox One. Yeah, so apparently that's been canned. Well, yeah, in, in a couple of ways. So they announced that they were going to add dvr functionality at least for over the air tv so that that got scrapped which is i think is what you're referring to and then kind of separately there have been other rumors that um we don't know if it's going to happen e3 this year or if it's something that's going to be more of a 2017 thing that that isn't clear although we'll we'll find out about that next week as well next week next week's a great week there's wwdc and e3 it's like my my perfect technology week um that there's going to be a new cheaper smaller xbox one and everybody's been speculating and i think some rumors have even you know confirmed this which is like all that tv stuff from the original version that that's all going to go away oh no wasn't that the thing with the ps3 like after they made the original one they made it a lot cheaper and they took out all the chips that made the ps2 backwards compatibility work yeah that's right okay so, so yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's doing a, um, uh, a 180 or a, a 360 if we want to make a, an Xbox pun. A revolution. Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah. All right. And how's your Oculus? You know, it's, it's still a, a work in progress, I would say, um, for a couple of reasons. One is I, I still don't feel like I've got it calibrated totally right. And I, maybe I do, because I, I, I've heard people, I've heard some people online kind of talk about a similar experience where you can get it focused, but like really only on kind of a narrow or a small portion of the screen and kind of everything else is like slightly out of focus. Like that's just kind of the way some people see it. And so I, I think maybe I just fall into that category. So I don't, but I still feel like I can maybe tweak it some. Um, so that's kind of a work in progress. Then I, and then the software, which, which we knew about right out of the gate. So the only thing I've done is play with the two games that it, it came with E Valkyrie and Lucky's Tale. You know, they're, they're both fine, but they're, there's neither of those applications or something I want to spend more than about 10 or 15 minutes with. So it's not going to be until there's like a killer app where I think I'm going to really get into it and there, there's a couple of games out there that I'm, I'm thinking about getting into which i which i probably will over the next couple of weeks but um i think similar to what i said last week it's still still too early to tell okay but you're cool with it being too early to tell for a while oh yeah totally i mean i i went into this full well knowing that this wasn't gonna be like incredible out of the gate but this was going to be kind of a early adopter 
you know, more a more a technology play as opposed to like something I was going to be, you know, super happy with right away. Sure. All right, we're running long this week. So are you cool with just doing picks of the week? Yeah, I think so. Okay, me or you? Go ahead. My pick of the week is going to be Hillary Clinton. <laughs> and this, this is just a roundabout way to say, knock it off, Bernie. It's not fun anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, politics aside, in an, an incredible accomplishment. And in, in fact, some ways, I, I think it's it's amazing that in some ways it almost doesn't feel like a big deal. And I, I say that carefully, just in the sense that, like, I'm glad that it's becoming like... You mean, you're talking about the, the woman nominee? That's right. Okay. That this has just become something that it just happens. Like, this is society. And that's that's awesome. And I, I, could, not, I could not be happier about that part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I guess like I would say I'm less enthusiastic, not enthusiastic, but in the sense that I think it it seems incredibly normal where I guess maybe I've become like over the whole entire term of when Bernie was not a terribly like where he seemed like he wasn't even competitive, where it seemed like a foregone conclusion that it would be Hillary. I don't know. I guess I just already been prepared for that. And I just thought like, oh, yeah, she's been secretary of state. She's somebody who has faults, but is is a very capable leader that I I just I even assume that I I haven't really considered the magnitude or or importance of it. Right. Yeah. But yeah, seriously, knock it off, Bernie, and get your shit together, college kids. Get over it. <laughs> do, do you all want to move to Canada? They won't take us all. <laughs> Wow. Knock it off! Wow! Stop it! Your pick of the week. This is this is just a, a small preview of what a uh, political podcast might look like from the two of us. If Bernie's still in it by like July, then yeah, yeah. Um. So so my pick of the week, and this is going to be continuing a theme that I've played with off and on, which is venturing way outside the the technology space. Um. This is the uh, packet freezable lunch bag. I can, I can, I'll send you a link to this. So I've been trying to get, um, <laughs> perhaps in an effort to start saving money for an iMac, I've been trying to get better about um, packing my own lunch sometimes for work instead of just, you know, buying lunch every day. I have a mental picture of what this is going to be. Let's see. It's close. It's close. Sure. Um, so this is, you know, it's, it's exactly what it sounds like it is. But what, what's really cool is that, you know, normally with lunch bags that, that kind of, you know, keep your food cold, you've got the bag itself and you've got some like little insert with, that's got the actual thing that you put in the freezer and then you guys slip that inside. But with this thing, that little like liner is part of the bag. The freezable liner is part of the bag. So literally what you do is you, you put the entire bag in the freezer overnight it gets cold, and then in the morning you just throw whatever your lunch is in there, and then it you know stays cold for the day, and you, you don't have any sort of removable thing you got to worry about. And it's really cool because it's it's somehow like you know you you put it in the freezer, and then obviously throughout the day it kind of thaws a little bit, but like the outside of the the bag doesn't get damp or anything, like it's like there's no condensation, so it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, the Amazon thing doesn't really have many uh, pictures of the inside. 
but this this looks it's, pretty neat. It's you know it it's it's pretty generic on the inside. It doesn't have any like pockets or anything. It, it really is just sort of a open bag. Wait, so does the companion like the thing that looks like a, I, I like like a small woman's purse? Does that go on the inside, or is that a separate, just like a bonus thing? No, that's that's the bag. If if that's it the folds up, part. it fold. No, it fold like so that the bag that you see in the first picture, it just folds on itself. Oh, so the one that I sent you with the sandwich inside uh, Slack, that's um, that's the same thing, yeah, just compressed. That's right. Yep. Interesting. And yeah, I know that that that's the exact color that I bought. Yeah, I like because it it, it's got a yeah, it's got some interesting designs. Yeah, there's how many. How many different colors are there? There's five. Six, seven, I like eight, the. Uh, I like 12. the sassy elementary school kids there, in, in in a lot of these pictures. <laughs> there's twelve, twenty four, thirty thirty options. There's like, it's like there's more than that, isn't it? It's like close to forty. Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen times. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard. Yeah. Excel's not open. There's there's a lot of colors. Let's put it that way. Yes, um, but yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a nice little bag. Nice nice design. Is it available with Prime now? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know about now, but it, it was it was available on Prime. Gotcha. I was like that whenever something comes in multiple colors, that Amazon has different prices, so you can tell which one's less popular. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. The pink with hearts, not very popular. Yeah, then some some of them though, some of them are surprisingly popular. Yeah, I think like plain black is like twenty five bucks. Or wait, no, 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 no. Plain black is one of the the, the cheaper ones, which is great because that's that's the one that I got. No, jet black is twenty five bucks. Apparently, black and jet black are very different. Oh, interesting. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, the I just got the regular black color, and that's sixteen. All right, well, sir, I think we've come to the end of this program. I I think we have.